Welcome back to NALP's Young Professional Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Today's podcast is powered by our Young Professional Network partner, Steel. Steel makes a full line of gasoline and battery-powered outdoor power equipment for the demanding landscape professional. Find yours at steelusa.com. Your host today is this episode, myself, Brett Lemke from RM Landscape, Macy Robinson with Landcare. How are you today, Macy? Good to see Doing you. great. Just recovered from COVID, so this is my, my first day back. Oh. It finally Congratulations. Got me. Yeah, finally got me after two years, so that, that makes travels easier. Well, and, and weren't you traveling a little bit too? So that didn't happen away while you're away, right? You're just home for it? Yeah, I was just home. I can't, Good. no idea where I got it. Um, but yeah, me and my husband both had it. So he had no symptoms though. So just, we, I had all the symptoms. He had no symptoms. So just crazy. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, and our other hosts are, are out gallivanting around the world and either dealing with snow, playing in snow, I think, and somebody's in Europe. I think Neil's still in Europe. And so they're just having a blast. And I know all those things, except for the, you know, snow removal. That doesn't. <laughs> no, no. Luke in snow right now. That And his birthday. Him. I think his birthday oh, was yesterday. Uh, oh, yeah. That's just a rough birthday. It's how us landscape professionals have to work at snow professionals. We, there's never good times. All right. So we have two guests today, Macy. Who are our guests? So our first guest is Drew Garcia. He's the vice president of the landscape, landscape group with Rancho Mesa. Started off as a professional baseball player. Drew began his career at Rancho Mesa during the offseason. When he wasn't on the field, he was learning the fundamentals of the insurance industry. After he retired from baseball, Drew transitioned into a full-time career with Rancho Mesa. His background in sports has helped him look at business with a unique unique perspective based on teamwork and best practices. We also have on the call today, Greg Garcia, who is an account executive with Rancho Mesa Group. Rancho Mesa grew up surrounded by the game of baseball. It was the family business. After 10 years of professional baseball, five of which came at the major league level, playing for the St. Louis Cardinals and San Diego Padres, it was time for him to join another team. Greg arrived at Rancho Mesa, eager to make his mark. He is working in tandem with Drew, specializing in only insurance and only insuring landscape professionals. Rancho Mesa is excited to have Greg's dedicated work ethic, team mindset, and drive to excel as part of the landscape group. Drew, Greg, is there anything that I missed? Oh, no, that's about it. That's about it. We appreciate uh, the opportunity to get on here and talk with you guys. I think uh, those intros, at least for me, is probably a little little more than I than I deserve for my baseball career. The reason why I'm in insurance is because the back of my baseball card didn't look that good, and uh, I kind of fizzled out. So saying I retired from baseball is nice, but really baseball kind of put me out the door, and that's how I ended up in the uh, in the insurance industry. I don't know. A little different story for Greg, though. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, it's just transitioning uh, after basically being a baseball player my whole life. It's all I can ever think about doing. Like we said, we grew up uh, around the game. Our grandfather managed and coached in the big leagues. Our dad played. It was just kind of what we did. So uh, transitioning nicely into insurance, getting to see Drew and my dad every day, um, really enjoying meeting a lot of the landscape professionals that we're meeting and uh, just getting into the business side of it. It's kind of a nice transition too when you're used to being out on the field for most of your life, you know, going into the the landscape insurance side of things. Like there's still the green industry side of it, which is a nice connection for you guys. No doubt. Yeah, I think that, you know, we can kind of echo to that with just the way that we try to go about our business. And you know that they're Macy because the you know majority of our professional lives up until I was 30, I was playing baseball. I was outside, so I wasn't used to being inside and I'm sitting at a desk today, but we tried to take more of the approach of being hands-on and getting out in front of the customer. And that's the only way you really learn, you know? So for us to really learn the landscape industry, which, you know, I've been doing this now for seven years, the industry's changed, you know, dramatically in seven years. And if you're not out in front and, uh, and watching that change before your eyes, you're missing an opportunity to really understand what's going on. So we definitely still enjoy getting out and um, smelling that fresh cut grass for sure. Yep. Yeah, I, I gotta imagine our listeners are either gonna say, "Well, let's just talk baseball," uh, <laughs> or we're gonna insurance. And then and we'll, thank God we don't see a live poll right now, right? But uh, you, you all have made and, and have engaged 
and we've known you all for a little while now through NALP. Um, you've, you've shown us how the insurance can be, you know, and then the risk and the safety parts of it can be really engaging. And, you know, I, I guess I'm going to use, maybe use the word fun to some degree, but it is something that's important and, and how it could benefit the business. And, uh, and I suppose Drew, when, I remember when we all met years ago, right. As sort of how to introduce your, your Rancho Mesa to NALP, but what, how did you find your way into our industry or what was it that attracted you the most to what we're doing? It really, it was luck. I wish I had the story of, uh, and it seems like every landscape company, uh, for the most part, family business, generational business. So you kind of grew up in it. And like Greg had said, and, and like Macy said with the intro, we grew up in baseball. So when our dad got into insurance about 30 years ago after his playing career ended, um, he created an opportunity for Greg and I to, to exit out of baseball and just have a, you know, absolutely, you know, a huge opportunity to, to roll into a career within insurance. I'd have never known about insurance had my dad not been in this type of business. But um, what was really attractive to me getting in originally was my dad was always my baseball coach growing up. He never missed a school play. I saw him on the weekends. So that consistency that he provided to me for the, for the family aspect is really what I was looking for in a career. Um, so that helped me get into, in, into insurance. And then the way that I navigated into landscape, again, was just luck because when I got into insurance, I was 29 years old, 30 years old. And I had done a little bit of studying in the past during the off season, doing some work for my dad at the business to kind of understand what it's like, knowing that at some point I'm going to probably, you know, head that direction. Um, you know, I, I realized quickly insurance is a gray hair industry. So if you don't have gray hair, people really aren't taking you serious and they don't think you know what you're talking about. So I knew, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to get 20 years of experience here right away. So what can I do? Because I'm making these calls and I'm trying to talk to different businesses. I could just see that I had no edge. So I think as a former athlete, it, it kind of just naturally, I created, uh, tried to create an advantage for myself. We wrote a, um, we worked with a couple pretty big landscape companies here in San Diego. And that was something I could get behind because we had a lot of data and numbers and they were great businesses. So I could go out there and watch and learn. And I figured, you know what, I'm just going to get behind this and I'm only going to ensure landscape businesses because to me, that was like having more at-bats. Um, if I could have the same conversation with landscape companies over and over and over again, I'm going to get out ahead of my competitors because for the majority of how insurance is done, most insurance agents are you know, generalists. They generally know most businesses and um, they might insure a landscape company, but I wasn't going to get gray hair anytime soon. Actually, I probably spoke too soon. My wife pointed out. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll uh, creep right up. I'm yeah, really yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah. Um, you know, so we just took off that, that direction and then got involved with NELP right away because I was really interested in the safety aspect and the safety resources that NELP was providing. And I was just in the learn, learn mode. You know, I'm trying to learn as much as I can as quickly as I could, which I still am doing. I'm, I'm, I'm doing today. But, uh, you know, they provided me a nice platform to get in and meet people and, you know, just basically learn, learn the industry as quickly as I could and uh, use a lot of good resources to help my customers and then just grow my knowledge. Greg, what has been your perspective as you've entered uh, our industry? Um, we, are we as ready as we should be from, from your all's business perspective? Yeah, I think uh, nobody likes to talk insurance. And I think here at Rancho Mesa, you know, it's not a necessary evil. We want people to start to think of it like an investment because that's really what it is. And uh, it's something that we're really passionate about, something that me and Drew study every single day. It's, this is what we do for a living. You know, we're not landscapers, but we're insurance agents. So this is what we do every single day. And uh, just, just piggybacking on NALP, I think that getting to go to those events have been just amazing for me to start to learn the industry, learn the people in the industry. Um, everybody is so welcoming there. I've been to three events now. Um, it's just, it's just an awesome event, awesome time to meet people network. And I find it, uh, I find it appealing because at the landscape events at these NALP events, um, everybody is so willing to share their knowledge of how they became successful, what works for them. And I don't think you see that in every industry. I think that's pretty unique to the landscape industry. <clears throat> and that for me, I can relate to that because in baseball, coming up in the Cardinals organization, it was the veteran guys, the Matt Holidays, the Yadier Molinas, the Daniel Descalso's, 
that were teaching the young guys like me the game of baseball, how they became successful, teaching me routines. So I see, I feel like there's some correlation there with uh, just the openness of how you became successful. So I feel like that's why me and Drew fit right into the industry. We're, we're passionate about the industry and um, I'm just eager to continue to learn and learn from Drew and learn from people like you and everybody at the, at those events. So, yeah. Well, you both, uh, I think, have done it well and smart, right? You've engaged and uh, and you've really put yourself out there. I mean, through sponsorships, but just even participation and give backs. And so it's it's uh, as much as people are willing to share with you, Greg, right? You've been able to share with us and that. And so it, it's you've become, for me, consistent faces and 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 willingness to help and, and, and organize companies. So it's a so, yeah, you're you're you're, you're I think doing it well and uh and so I, I commend you on that piece. And I think this conversation is going to be around today about the safety elements of it, right? And so we'll, uh, we, we, we joked earlier that you, you're going to be on a conversation with Britt, I think, in his podcast. We'll let you all talk about policies and renewal dates and all that and mods, right? We'll talk about like the safety and why and how to apply it. And Macy, I mean, I'm curious, right, at Landcare and in your seat, branch manager, what, how are you, how you, how do you have to think about safety and what, what is it that, uh, that they require of you in, in your role? I think safety is one of the biggest things at any landscape company, especially, um, at a bigger corporation. Um, we have a monthly safety call. I mean, we had it yesterday afternoon, just going through some of the big hitters, um, of what's going on. So it's everywhere around us. We had, someone around us, not in our um, company, but a competitor locally that fell into a canal, you know, rolled a ZTR in and drowned. And then um, in our safety meeting yesterday, there was one that happened in Florida recently. So that's, you know, twice within two months and you just drowned. And um, so, you know, safety, it's hard. You know, there's a long process question. There's tons of questionnaires. a lot of forms to fill out, but it's all to protect the employees. And so that's why in the morning, you know, making sure that you have your safety vest on, the guys have what they need. And so I would just hope that the companies that you guys are talking to and seeing all the time, like, is that something that's pointed out to them or even a tip to them? It's like, okay, just start at the basis, like safety vests. Like, do you have safety vests? Do you have cones out behind your trucks? I mean, there's just so many things that go into it, you know, so... Yeah. How do you, how do you, Greg and Drew, how do you start your conversations with companies that are either not as developed or even though they're more developed? Yeah, we really look at it and Macy, you hit on a number of really good things. Um, We look at it kind of to each company as their own and everybody's in a different place in a different spot. So we feel like it's not, it wouldn't be within anybody's best interest if Greg and I just came and said, this is how to do it. Cause there isn't one way to manage safety and, and to make sure you have a strong, safe, you know, company and, and safety program. So really, really just getting out of the, out in front of the, you know, the customer in front of the landscape company and seeing what it looks like because culture makes a huge difference in safety. You can have extreme, you can have really well-written safety programs, you know, it's in its binder and it's collecting dust. If you're not out there, you know, talking safety and making that a huge part of your business and what people should focus on each day. You're, you know, you're missing on a, on a, on a huge opportunity to, to uh, raise the level of professionalism within your, within your um, organization. And also to, like Macy said, keep everybody safe and, and, and um, put them in an environment where they feel comfortable and they're not getting injured. So I think culture is a, a big piece and it that comes top down. I say the companies that we work with, the most that are the most successful with safety, ownership, management, branch managers, they're involved in safety and they're not just, you know, speaking it, they're, they're acting it as well. And that, that goes a long ways, you know, when you have the top, um, not only talking about it, but, but proving it and showing it makes a big difference all the way down. It's every day too. I mean, we're, we're doing grass cutbacks right now, and it's so exciting to see all of my guys with trimmers have their chaps on and everything. But, you know, that's not going to be the same thing when it's 100 degrees in Texas in June and we're trimming back shrubs. Like, it's going to be a constant reminder of where are the chaps. It's environmental. 
Um, you know, weather has a big thing to do with it, how they're feeling that day, who's leading the crew that day. So there's just so many factors that go into it. Like you said, the branch management and, you know, account manage, account managers and operations managers, it's really an every day, every hour thought. I think that resonates pretty well, right? It's, you know, the the season starts, everyone gets excited about lots of things and they'll they'll do their best. And in that safety conversation, you know, it's very aware and and what sort of peels off and how do you keep momentum going? Um, What, what, you know, Greg, what do you all seen that that sort of keeps uh, or create any creative ways that keeps these conversations going or keeps that spirit up about being safe? Yeah, you know, I think, Going to those events, these, the, those NAOP events, talking with Drew, I mean, Drew kind of hit it on the head, but there's just certain things that landscapers do to, it, it seems like most of the injuries are happening with new employees. And I think there's so much turnover right now and, and getting people to come to work with you is, that's the main struggle, right? Getting employees in right now, everyone's dealing with trying to get enough people uh, at their companies. So uh, what I found interesting, a, a good strategy was that some companies are, are signifying these new employees, whether it's, you know, three months or less or six months or less. Um, they're signifying these employees are new by having them wear a different color vest. You know, if the uniform is a yellow vest, um, the, new, the newer employees are wearing these red vests. And that way, everybody can kind of have a hands-on approach of looking after these newer, newer employees till they learn the safety protocols, till they learn how to use all the equipment properly. And I think by doing that, you're going to eliminate some of that risk coming with the new employees. But like Drew was saying, it's a cultural thing. You know, everybody has to buy into it. If you have half your team buying into it and half not, it's just, it's not going to work well. So um, yeah, I think uh, that that was one strategy that I just got from one of these events that I thought was, wow, that's a great idea. And, and something that I hope to share with some of my prospects and, and, and future clients. Macy, how do you, how does, how do your newest uh, team members get onboarded with safety? They usually, usually if you're a new team member, you spend at least half of the first day, if not the whole first day, depending on what time you start that day, just sitting and watching videos, um, filling out paperwork. And so you kind of go through that process. And then after that, uh, you normally get put on a crew with a supervisor that's trusted, kind of been here for a little while, you know, or not going to throw you out doing something crazy hectic. Like you're going to go on probably the most basic maintenance crew and then kind of rotate throughout the week with that supervisor. You know, you're going to do a day on a weed eater. You're going to do, you know, a day on the edger. Really learn and focus on that one piece of equipment. Um, we do physical ZTR training as well because we do use a lot of big mowers. So we ZTR certify. Um, but that's kind of our initial safety process and really sticking in with one supervisor as much as possible. And I suppose who who does that responsibility fall to uh, throughout that, that onboarding or that training? Usually the production manager. So the production manager oversees the supervisors and the crew members. And so he's directly working with the new hire and the supervisor that the new hire is going to be working under. Um, so we keep it, all the operations kind of directly focused. Uh, myself as the branch manager, little check-ins here and there, you know, they're on the first day checking in with them, you know, the day I close the shop or something like, Hey, how's it going? Talk to them in the mornings, but we really let the operations and production team kind of, you know, take hold of that and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to and have their PPE um, and making sure, you know, checking in with the supervisor that's in charge of them. Like, does he need help? How's he doing? Do I need to come out there and spend more time while you're doing your day-to-day? Andrew, you all, you all jump right in, I think, right? You, you get out to the field. You want to really sort of embrace the crews and, and, and participate with them. And what, what, um, what, what's some of the stories that I guess that Ben, where you've integrated best with some of your clients or, or companies? Oh man, you know what? I'm a, I'm an early bird, just like every landscape company, everybody, you know, when you are within the industry, you're working those landscape hours. So we love getting up early and I'm used to that with baseball and spring training. I love the early mornings and then you see the sunrise. So my favorite thing, and a, a lot of companies that weren't using it, but now are just hopefully as a result of our exposure to them is a morning stretch and flex or mobility stretch protocol or program that they implement to get everybody a little loose in the mornings. And it works. 
in so many different ways. I mean, it, it not only is, is activating, you know, muscles in the morning and getting people ready to go to work, but it's also giving those supervisors and foremen an opportunity to, you know, have eyes on, on the, you know, their, the, the people that are going to go out and do the work today and make sure that they look like they're in good shape, you know, to go out and do that because there could have been something that happened over the weekend or that night and they're trying to, you know, really muscle through the day. And if they're not, they're struggling to perform that, that stretch and flex program in the morning, it gives that supervisor or foreman a great opportunity to pull them to the side and say, Hey, what's going on? You know, you know, what happened? And, you know, just to, so they're not putting them in a position to, you know, to go out and work when they, they, you know, weren't physically capable of doing it. It also is a great time to build company morale and culture. And I think it, it plays big on new hires. So if you're coming, you know, you just were hired by a new landscape company and, you know, day one, when you show up, you're, you're in the stretch and flex program number to me that that shows professionalism right away. They're saying, wow, you know, my employer is going to take the time for us to, to do this organized stretch, you know, and everybody's doing it and they're doing the same thing. I think that plays well and it kind of sets the tone for everybody for the day that hey, we're, we're serious about everybody's well-being and we want to take the time and make sure that that you're ready to go. So I think and, and NALP has a couple of different variations of, of stretch and flex programs that are available resources through the website that people can utilize and um, you know make it their own. And I know when I was visiting Landcare one time, Macy, uh, Landcare I believe does a stretch and flex program. We we went through it when I when I when they had the field trip event out there, and I thought it was something unique that I hadn't seen before because not only were they doing the stretch and flex, but they were taking a, the opportunity to congratulate people on anniversaries with the company. Maybe they had a, you know, had a, a child or they were, they were married. They had some big life event. They were, you know, focusing and singling people out to congratulate them on, on a number of different things. So you're just like looking at that kind of getting goosebumps going oh, This is the way to do it. You know, this is how you should start a day right here. And everybody kind of left, you know, feeling, um, feeling ready to go. So I think that's a, that's a great step one for a lot of companies. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great way to start the morning. It's not even so much like the, the stretch team's great. We sit in the truck for 45 minutes to an hour after we stretch, but it's all about coming together in the morning, getting together. Like yesterday, they celebrated February birthday. So they got cupcakes for the guys in the morning. And so everyone just comes together. We say like whose birthday it is. Um, and we even do our safety talk topics. Like we do a safety topic once a week. We use that. And then just ask if anybody has questions and it's the last little note of like, okay, be safe today. Like we talk to everybody at the gate individually in the trucks, but it's like a last little hoorah together. And then, and like you said, you can tell if somebody, something's off in the morning, like something happens. So you can kind of know to like, keep your eye on them throughout the day or to the supervisor, like, Hey, make sure he's okay. Like check on him. He kind of looks like something's the matter. Um, so it takes three minutes out of your day. It's not the biggest thing in the world. And it, it does make a big difference, I will say. Well, we do the huddle uh, every morning. We, we, we don't have that stretch and flex as a part of it. And certainly it's, you know, it's around and the large organizations all show the consistency of that. I know that you got to get over these humps, right? And then there's the, the bravado of some guy, no, I'm just too cool to stretch. I'm not going to do that. And, um, and, and it's just going to take time to push through those things. Right. And so, and you know, the, safety and numbers. If everybody else is bending over and touching their toes, why don't you just do it or try, right? And let's just, just don't look that, stand up that much. But I, the point that Drew was to say, like when somebody is like sort of bending over and they grab their back, like you see those things and that, that is a big opportunity to save that person later in the day. And, uh, or just say, let's, let's think differently. You're not taking out of work, but let's try something or think and strategically try this. And so I, I, that's a, you know, I think that's a huge point to say why that could be really important. You know, it, you know, may, and, and I find that the morning is the time to talk to your team and really embrace them and get them on the right foot. Uh, but then add that level of safety and awareness of, you just look like you're limping when you did that, or you just really, you know, maybe you shouldn't be performing this task today. And I think that that says we're here to take care of you as much as we need jobs to get done. Oh, it yeah. saves you from non-work related injuries as well. Like if you notice something's happening in the morning and it's Monday and they've been, you know, nothing happened last week and 
they tell you in the middle of the day, oh, I, you know, I hurt my back, my back's hurting from working. And, you know, you saw that in the morning. It's sad to say, but it does happen. Um, so it does protect you as well to see what's going on to, you don't want that to hit your OSHA ratings or anything. So. Well, I mean, I, you know, I've had our, our insurance provider will tell us, you know, the worst of the stories, right? You guys have two like awful stories to hear about. And so, and, and it either makes you, you know, skeptic about people a little bit, right? Because there is those that will come into organizations and, and comp is a, a huge part of our business and you've got to protect your business that way. And you've got to know that the people are the, can do the job and the healthiest. Um, and so there is that reality of it. And, and, and again, I think, and Drew and Greg, your, your career sees the worst and the best of people. And so it's just, you, you could keep telling people, you know, no, no, that won't happen here. Like, no, it can, it does, it always will. Right. And it's the things that we have to be very mindful of. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always things to be aware of. And you're just trying to put, you know, as many practices as you can in place to mitigate risk and that mobility and stretch program, stretch and flex huddle provides those good morning opportunities just to make sure everybody's in a good frame of mind, their their bodies are activated and they look like they can get through the day, like they're, they're healthy enough to get through the day. And Brett, I, you'd be surprised too. You definitely get that. You, if you're going to implement a mobility stretch program and you've got people that have been working there, you know, 30 years, 25 years, they've never stretched and they're just, I, I, you know, they're beside themselves. This is something they're just saying, there's no way, you know, I'm, I need to do this. And, you know, this is not for me. But you would be surprised. It's pretty funny because we've seen it happen where they, they implement and they, they just stay consistent with it. And those people that at first were the most resistant by about six weeks, they start to feel a little bit of a difference in their body. They're the ones showing up doing the stretch without being told, yeah. you know, hey, it's yeah. time to get going because it just takes that, a little bit of consistency to start feeling the difference. And um, we've I've had, you know, other scenarios too, where people have left one business and, you know, they're working for another now. And um, that new company didn't have a mobility stretch program, but those employees still carried over and they were doing it um, themselves over there just because they felt, you know, they felt the benefit there. So I totally get you on the, uh, you know, the, the, the macho mentality. We see it. Uh, I mean, this, I think people often think of our industry as well. I'm outside physical labor, I'm working out, but it's, it's more strain than it is, you know, the benefit to the body. And so I, we've had people that have worked with us over 30 years and, uh, and we're watching, you know, wrists injuries and, you know, and then it is like the hip and the constant walking, sitting on a, a zero turn mower all day, what that will do to your back versus standing on a stand. But we had to have the conversation that it is better to stand on a stand on all day than to sit and absorb all that in your back. And everyone's like, well, no, I want to sit on the nicest mower you got. And that's my job. And so it is, you know, and, and I think it's evolving. I, you know, it, uh, you know, we have a gentleman, you know, that I think 35 years, and it's, you know, back a long time ago, what was your protection back then? And so, but he'll tell the team, he'll get up there in, in, our, in our stage, like, I have a ringing in my ears. I have this happening. And, you know, 20 years later of, you know, practices that were not in place that are now, these are going to be good things. And and he wears all the best of the, the safety stuff nowadays, because he's just aware. So, you, you know, we have a lot of people that are just, this is tough. I can do this, but that that's the, probably the most nervous person to be thinking about. I was like, no, no, don't worry about me. And then bam, it hits. And that's scary. I kind of have a uh, question for you guys, switching it just a little bit. So we have a lot of young professionals that are listening to this and landscape is a very easy trade. If, you know, if you like to design or you want to just pick up some weekend jobs um, you know, and you know, Carl graduating from college or just got his first job and he wants to do weekend jobs on his own. What are your like first steps or tips to like starting your own company, like insurance wise, like when someone calls you very small, doesn't have to be anything big, but like for our listeners, what are kind of first steps in this process? Yeah. Yep. And, and it happens every day where there is, you know, new people looking to be entrepreneurs and start and start their own, uh, their own business. So just surrounding yourself like anything with a, with a good team, that's, that's the, the key to success in many different aspects of life. And, uh, you know, so identifying somebody in our position, like an insurance agent or broker, 
and you know that that looks like they have a a bit of knowledge in your industry and what used to be very normal in, in insurance was that meant i had to have somebody within my my direct town that knows landscape and then that would be the agent that i would trust and i would work with to to get the right policies put into into place for my business and my exposures but i think that what we've seen now you know through the pandemic with a lot of virtual servicing going on um, it's not necessarily the case anymore where you need that local agent with their expertise to to be the one that you know supports you a lot of this stuff can now be done remote over the phone email that's always been you know a big portion of of uh, insurance and professional services so it doesn't just necessarily limit you to to your direct surroundings so looking looking out at resources and trying to to pick the right person that's going to help you and get and take the time to put the right policies together but you know the standard coverages that businesses would need are general liability if you have um, um, employees workers compensation or if you don't have employees you can get workers compensation um, if you have equipment you would need an inland marine policy or there's some cases that you can have a property policy and you can add some equipment coverage to that without getting a full inland marine policy. And then you're looking at auto. If you have a vehicle, you would want to get automobile coverage. And then the next layer would be getting an umbrella policy that kind of sits over the top of your general liability over your auto and over your um, work comp employers liability. If you, if you have that, that would kind of be the basic package that people would be, would be looking to get, um, and any, you know, any agent that kind of works within the industry would know the nuances to the type of business that you're doing. If you're doing more design, you have, de you, you definitely have different exposure than, than somebody doing install. If you're doing maintenance or lawn applicating, you have, you know, a little bit of a different exposure there. So the policies would need to read differently to make sure that they're covering your right, you know, the operations that you have. And then there could be the, the pieces like tree care, um, hardscape. You know, there's a lot. It's it's very interesting with landscape, the the spectrum of what can be done under you know landscape. It, like I already mentioned, six or seven different topics, but you also have, you know, irrigation. You could be doing green roofs. Um, I mean, there's so much. It's 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 a uh, it's insane. So just making sure you partner with the right person, as opposed to uh, I think that the the knee jerk reaction now because we're all so used to maybe our homeowner's policy or our auto policies, we try to go on the internet and get quotes like it's Expedia. You're talking about your business and your livelihood. You want to trust and work with somebody that's going to give you the time and understand your business and put the right policies together. So that just takes picking the right person. So that would be step one for anybody starting their business. Surround yourself with people that are going to help you succeed. Is it a awesome. reality? Is it a reality that insurance is not the first thing people get? I mean, it, and, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, pre is it prevalent or does it just happen? Or, I mean, we all know it and I know I take it for granted in our organization because it was always there when I joined, but it's, but it, it's things that require that kind of education, huh? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say there's probably people that start out, you know, as a, as an owner operator, maybe they didn't have insurance because they were doing, you know, if you're doing some residential routes, residential maintenance, and the homeowners aren't asking you for a certificate of insurance, you know, you're not being pushed in the direction to get that, then you might, you know, that you're just maybe skating by and you should not be doing that. That is not how you do it, but absolutely. I'm sure it's out there. Um, but everybody needs insurance. If you're operating and you're doing business, you definitely need to have policies in place to protect you and, you know, and, and you're in the third party and, you know, people that could get hurt as a result of your work. Yeah, I think it's missed so often and like kind of an afterthought because a big storm comes through. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'll go buy a $400 pole saw and then, you know, make a few thousand dollars, go help clean up all the storm damage and stuff. And so it's more of a thought process, you know, kind of as soon as you slap a logo on that truck, even if it's printed off from FedEx, you're still representing something. So I think it's great education. We get to educate a lot on we talked about PGRs a couple of weeks ago and kind of like starting your business and stuff, um, just advice. So I think really digging into the other components of a business, you know, insurance, like you said, is very important. We, we, we experienced uh, early in my career, 
in the snow world, we would take on jobs and we'd hire subcontractors. But if those subcontractors didn't have workman's comp, we'd be audited through that. And then we'd have to cover that piece. And so we quickly realized, well, you're competent and you're able to do that job. But if you do not have those insurances that we need, then that, that, that falls to under our obligation. And we have to assume that piece. And that uh, that didn't last very long. Right? We made some mistakes and we learned from them pretty quickly about it. But it is, it is to say, you know, Maze, your point is like you get caught in storms and your brain will just change and says, well, let's go. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Can you clear this out for me, please? And then you, yeah, no problem. I'll do it. And then you, you hit the pole and the life, you know, what well, can you insure me for this? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, and so it is, uh, it has to move up there, right? You get to get your finances, your insurances, you get your training, right? There's got to get the client base that it is, it's got to be within the top five, right? Easily of what you should be doing to start and to establish your business. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And I think like you, like you said, Brett, uh, I think you said earlier too, a lot of people, when they think of insurance, they think, Oh, that'll never, it'll never happen to me. It won't happen. And we we're saying the same thing. We hope it doesn't and it shouldn't, you know, if you're doing the right things and trying to mitigate as much of it as you can, as much risk, but insurance is there for, what if, you know, and you don't want that to be the scenario where something happens and now you're wondering what's going on. Um, and you guys have kind of both mentioned a little bit of this too. I think storytelling is a, is a, is a nice piece when you're talking about things because insurance can be very dry and hard to understand. So Greg and I really try to incorporate storytelling as we go through policies with people, we talk to them about the coverages so they can picture events in their mind that they say, I have that exposure. Yes, now I understand how that how that coverage would work. We think that's something that gets missed. And if you're not doing this every day and working within the industry, you don't know how to you know tell the story for how this claim could occur to a landscape company. Your talk track might be for a uh, you know a roofer, and you can't you can't make that connection with your customer. So storytelling, whether it's safety and training goes a long ways. People tend to remember stories more than, you know, the facts. So I see a lot of good companies when they are introducing a safety topic for the week. And Macy, you might've mentioned this earlier, you know, they're telling a story of something that happened, which is more engaging and people tend to remember. And, you know, cause you're putting yourself in the position of, you know, if this story happened to me, I think that can be powerful when you're trying to communicate safety and information to somebody um, you know, to just incorporate a little bit of a story so that maybe it gets remembered or, uh, you know, processed a little bit easier. Yeah, it uh, definitely the one that the mower rolled into the canal. One of my uh, employees knew the guy just from previous years of work and wasn't like a super, he wasn't a close friend, but he, he knew the guy that, you know, died in the canal and that kind of shocked all of their, all of his coworkers just like, oh, wow, this, this is real. It's not, you know, this happened in Florida, like this happened 20 miles up the road and I know the guy and, you know, I know his sister, whatever, knew his sister or whatever. And now this family has a loss. Like it, uh, the stories definitely make a bigger impact, um, in actuals. You always think it will happen in the, until it does. Yeah, we all have them. And, and, and Greg, to your point, how much this industry shares, you know, and, and, and oftentimes, you, you know, you can find yourself in the conversations, well, how great things are going and all, you know, you talk about that, but it, as fast as you can get to the truth of the matter, like in peer groups, right? It, yeah, you know, I sold this big job or profits in the right direction, but that's not the point of coming together. We have to come together and talk about the problems that we have or how we can help each other. And you sort of break down that and get to a point where you can really trust each other to, to share that information because, that's where the answer is. And that's how you're going to improve yourself. And, um, and when I go to like elevate or as we head to elevate, right. I'm excited about, you know, sharing the problems I have because someone's going to have the solution for it. And, and, and it's not about saying how you know clean my trucks are. It's like, well, how do you keep these trucks from not getting beat up every day with your crews driving these things all over the place? And, um, and what did I do about this scenario? Cause there's, there's organizations that do that. And it may, I imagine like the branch connectivity, right. You've in within land care, the network can hopefully build itself to where you can talk and, and you share those stories. So if you're running a clean world and uh, in the maintenance and then no accidents and, but you share that story with uh, another person, then they, it just brings them a little closer to reality. Like, no, no, it, it will be, it's, it's always there. It's always relevant. Yeah. That's uh, that's one, definitely one of the nice things about having a, 
national kind of safety team is we get all those stories fed to us. It's like, here's, you know, just like the one in Florida, it's like, here's where it happened somewhere else. And, um, just knowledge, knowledge is power. But I don't think us uh, Northerners care about your, what's it? Red ants or crazy fire things ants. down fire ants. Right? Like we don't, have, they would die in a second up here in the North. So we don't have, to, you know, you get a fire ant accident. Not, you know, that ain't going to ever happen up here. Scorpions and all that stuff. No, we don't have that problem. But just snakes. crazy things like you wouldn't even think of. It, yeah. Just bees. I, I always appreciate the Northeast. We have bad snowstorms. That's about it, right? We don't, no tornadoes, no earthquakes. And right where you all are, you get one bad day and California is an island or something, right? So hopefully you guys, you got practice for that one too. So, um, but it's, uh, Yes. So yeah, it's, you know, we could have fun and I think that's fun to hear the stories and, and so you can bring a little humor into something that, you know, fire ants really hurt, but at the same time, just be aware and relevant to the, that piece. And so I think they hurt, right? Macy, they hurt. Oh, they hurt. You, okay. yeah, they like well up and kind of look like white little like zits kind of, but you can't pop them. It just hurt. Yeah. They're not fun. But you never know, like, I mean, we still get ice and snow. We had ice and snow last week and I missed the call and we cover slips, strips and falls, um, you know, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. month or so, but that it's a different slips, trips and falls, like preparing those guys who are never around ice. Like this is, this is different. Like you need to be walking around very carefully. Like when you're driving you need to be extra cautious, like, don't go over 30 miles an hour, just you know, we're not prepared for those types of things. So going out there and treating for those customers is just even more of a liability, but it's our job to do it. And so last week was interesting. No acts, nothing major. So thank goodness. No one's hurt. Well, I, I just got the email earlier today. You know, we've had two very significant snow events, probably 20 inches plus over maybe 20, 30 hours. So significant snowfall in our area. And then we had a lot of little ones, but in the last couple of we had like, I think 12 uh, property damage claims of little to big and some a little annoying. Um, and they were, we figured out they funnel around the large events, fatigue, uh, just the, the intensity of that event. Um, you know, and certainly we've had some people out there that are not as comfortable in the equipment or in that, in the surroundings as they should have been. And so we recognize that. And it's just, um, you know, we're like, is that more or less? And it's, it's, you know, we get three inches right in the snow industry, that's easy. You're going to be more consistent. You get that 12 inches plus something's going to happen. And, uh, and, and just how to predict those kind of pieces. Um, you know, how do you, you know, Greg drew what, what proactive strategies, I mean, you know, it's going to happen. You always prepare for the worst, I guess, but what is, how do you, what's the best proactive strategies that you have? Like, you know, if it really, even if it's very specific to a snow or an incident, but a story around proactive. What do you got? Yeah, I don't, Greg, did you want to? I, I don't know if you wanted to go. For <laughs> yeah, he's now he's like, uh, you, you got I a think, cool one. He's saying, yeah, I think there's a. Uh, he gave me the baseball sign. That was that was the go ahead. Right so we're we're in the we're in the know. We're on video here, so I can see him. Uh, I think that there's a couple things here. So when you're a, if you're a smaller company, people are probably listening and saying, okay, well, Macy's at Landcare, Brett's at RM. These are big companies. They've got data. They know things that are going on. They have trends. I've got, you know, they could be sitting there saying, I've got three employees. I've got six employees, eight employees. We've never had an injury. You know, we've never had an incident or everything just seems so one off when it occurs. So I think they, they sometimes get overwhelmed with where do I start? Where do I start with safety? Where am I? How do I know what to expect when I don't have enough information telling me whatever has happened in the past? Great resource, again, is tapping into what NAOP has already created. And every year, right around January or February, there's a safety webinar called the Summary of Injury Trends and OSHA Violations for the prior year that NALP does in conjunction with Berkshire Hathaway Homestate Companies, which is a very large work comp carrier. So they'll summarize all the injury trends and the OSHA violations for the previous year so that you can prepare and try to keep those from occurring you know, in the future. So going to kind of the, to the prevent side there for you, um, Brett, there, there's a resource right there that they can tap into. And then with NALP, they, if you're participating in the Safe Company program, they've got 52 industry-specific tailgate topics that you can utilize. And, you know, if you took that list 
you as a business owner, company owner, you could probably organize those so that they made sense for the, the time of year so that you were doing maybe heat stress appropriately, not in December when maybe it just was going to come up because you flipped the page. So you take a look at those that list and you kind of organize them based on time of year. And then um, you and you both already mentioned this, you know, like you've got your standard safety trainings and now they're organized and they're they're how you like them. But then you just had two bee stings, you know, the week before. Well, we don't maybe need to do skid steer training, although it's important. We can put that one off for another week. Let's do a training on bee stings because that's that's the information that we have at hand. Although you might think, oh, that was one off. It only happened to one person. Well, let's not turn that into two or three or four this week. So you got to really jump at the opportunity to, you know, look at look at incidents, look at injuries, but also look at the incidents. If it was something that didn't occur, but um, it could have been that, okay, treat it like something did happen and now do a training around that so that it's hopefully preventable, you know, in the future. I think those are a couple of good concepts that companies, you know, large and small can incorporate when um, you're kind of up against the, the grind of not really knowing where to go with this or, you know, what should we be talking about today? There's some already set resources that are available to you that you can take advantage of. That's helpful. I, I think I, I found ourselves in two scenarios in, in my career where we've, it was a significant accident. We did a stand down the next day before we even started, everybody came. We have a branch in Buffalo. They even had to come into Rochester and they, and we had to talk about it and it wasn't and it just to put the tone of how serious the situation is let's please let's avoid this going forward and so it uh it, it is i think the 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 seriousness of the accident needs to be reciprocated with the seriousness of the, the training and the response time and you know everybody has to be a part of that and so um those are that's a smart pro proactive stuff next day is a good call that's one thing that we do well over here you know first step is to fill out the forms and the information off to safety but next step is pull the training on that topic like you said drew for you know the following week you know we're we're next day we could have done our weekly safety training that day but the next day we're we're covering that slip trips and ball or we're covering that beat whatever the safety incident was it just doesn't take a lot of time it takes 30 seconds to a minute sometimes just to hit it and it's fresh on everyone's mind, just like Brett said, you know, every, it just happened. And so everyone knows and just knowing the severity, like look out for this, obviously it's seasonal or it couldn't be, but um, it doesn't take that long in the long run. You know, if it could be saving someone's life or saving you medical bills, if you have to have them go to Concentra or something. So it's uh, better just to nip it in the butt. Then I'll sort of end it with my favorite story. And I think Drew and I were all there for, it was a land care piece. And you all, did you do that coloring contest? The kids at home would make pictures of their uh, their parents working and, um, and in a safe way. And then you built that as a momentum. And I, I'll let Macy, I imagine you've done, have you done it with your branch at all? I haven't. We haven't done it with ours, but I've seen they'll share them out on like the weekly kind of newsletter whenever they did them and like share their favorite one or something. And we uh, we we did that here. A bunch of kids did it, and you know, you give a little recognition to the the kid with a gift card, and uh, and that creativity became uh, could become a poster, right? You can you can use the heck out of it, and it and it has such. A connection and uh you know the road work signs say it you know you know i want my mom and dad to come home every day and like those are those are impact statements um and uh and so a little shock and awe could help but then that creative fun and connecting the two you know yeah you're a tough guy but you have a family at home and that is really what you should be worrying about not don't worry about your your back it's worry about your family all right well let's end on a higher note than geez people are going to get their back and their family not see the family. um Rose and Thorne this week, it's uh, sort of how we sort of end uh, each podcast. What's going well? What's sort of, uh, you know, could be annoying or is that pain? But, uh, you know, the week, the season. Uh, Macy, how about you? I'm, I'm guessing I sort of know. You already heard a little bit about yours, but what, what's been your Rose and Thorne? Uh, Thorne is definitely having COVID, um, but glad to be back today. Just a ton of catch up to do. You know, my emails caught up very well, but any physical thing that needed to be done, like see the site in the office, employee issues, like 
is all stacked into Thursday and Friday. Um, so not fun, but I'm recovered. I'm good. And then Rose is we've started our NCLC kind of like final discussion. So just getting super excited um, about getting back to that event. It's my favorite event as a college student, as you know, an employee of Landcare and a member of an ALP. I am just so excited to be back and doing that. So pumped for that next month. Yeah, that is that's gonna be very exciting. Uh, Greg, how about you, Rosenthorn? Oh man, I honestly I cannot think of many thorns right now. I guess one, it, it rained yesterday in San Diego. That's usually isn't that a good thing? I thought everybody says that's a good thing when it rains. Or no, you you're saying it's a good or a bad. I mean, thing. it was. I think the temperature got to like 50 degrees too. Oh my gosh! Cool. Oh my gosh! 50. Not uh, no sympathy on this podcast. Those are those are the thorns. Uh, roses. No, nah, I, I have plenty of roses. I feel like you know life is good. I'm enjoying my job. Enjoying my family. Um, yeah, just enjoying it every single day. And like I said, just yeah, really fortunate to be where I'm at. And Happy to be a part of Rancho Mesa and and moving forward in the in the green industry. Well, I hope you don't have to wear a sweater vest for too long out there. I hope it warms up for you, so you'll be a, get you okay. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> I was freezing up here in New York, and you're talking about 50 degrees. Um, I, I did that just for you. That was yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank. You. Someday we'll see the sun again up here. How about you? How about you, Drew? Man, yeah, Greg stole my thunder there. I was going to say that the thorn was the uh, not so much the rain. Like you said, it's OK. It'll green some things up a little bit for us out here. But, you know, the, when the cloud cover comes over, that's just for me, it just puts me in a different different mindset. So that would ha- that that is the thorn was the cloud cover. And then the roses now um, we've got nice, bright blue skies and beautiful weather. So like Greg said, things things are good. It is amazing when you do not see the sun for a period of time, what that does. And, and we are a notoriously bad area in the country for not seeing the sun during the winter. And, and it's, it just really gets a little depressing and it can be 30 degrees out and sunny day. And uh, you know, it's t-shirt weather for us and we're having fun like that is a, but that sun just makes the life. So yeah, I hear you. We're, um, well, we are optimistically going to see sun. We're going to go skiing because it's our kids break next week. So we're going to go skiing for the week uh, in Vermont and uh, just got done skiing out West with some friends and, uh, and saw the blue skies out there. So uh, we're embracing winter when you can embrace it. And, you know, I agree, no thorns. We got, you know, I, I guess you, you, I think in all our industries, maybe we always think two weeks in advance. And so while it's only what, February 17th. I'm already thinking it's March. I'm already saying it's going to be go time soon. And so um, that anxiety might be creeping in. And then all the things we wanted to do that we didn't get done and the things that we must get done, the timing is getting short. And I imagine our whole industry is thinking that way right now. And so it's like, just take a moment to breathe everybody and, and, you know, and enjoy the weekends. Don't kill yourself and keep going and think you got to find the time to breathe and enjoy family, friends and fun. And because yeah, spring is upon us soon enough. And I'm sure we have a long list of thorns in future podcasts about the springtime coming. So, uh, well, well, thank you, Greg, Drew. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike Macy, happy to see you healthy and back at it. That's great, too. Um, thank you, listeners. Appreciate you listening. Um, subscribe, share it with your friends, and we look forward to talking to you all next week. Take care, everyone.